Leadership File on Premier. It's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you lead as Christ would have you lead wherever he has placed you. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and whether you listen live on a Sunday or one of the many thousands who catch up via the podcast, it's great that you can join us. You are probably aware that there has been something of a revolution within the Church of England over the last 15 or so years. Concerned with declining church attendance and little sign that the church structures and approach would turn things around, a number of church leaders within the Church of England became convinced there needed to be what was called a mixed economy of church, with room for what were known as fresh expressions of church, including the identification, selection and training of pioneer church planters for both lay and ordained ministers. This approach encouraged new ecclesial communities generated mainly among the unchurched and regarded as already being or becoming churches, not as stepping stones to parish churches. Well, to discuss the leadership and philosophy of this approach, I'm joined by the Reverend Dr. Michael Moyner. Michael is based at Wycliffe Hall, Oxford, and is a leading theologian of the theory and practice of fresh expressions of church. He is author or lead author of almost 20 books, including his most recent, Church in Life, hyphen innovation mission and ecclesiology published by scm so michael it's uh, great to have you on the leadership farm well thank you and it's great to be here uh, i mean you've, you've written this extensively in this field uh, so what's kept you fascinated over the years well i think andy as you say there is something of a revolution occurring in how we live as church. And much of this is beneath the radar, but it's beginning to poke its head uh, up uh, through the grass, as it were, and a bit more visible. And what's happening is um, all around the country, but also overseas, uh, little groups of Christians are getting together. They're listening to people around about them. They're asking themselves in a passion of their life, in a section of their life where they spend a lot of their time, how can we love and serve the people we know here. And then as they find simple ways to love them, it may be creating space for people to meet, uh, it may be uh, setting up a, a language cafe so that uh, uh, people who've recently arrived in England can learn how to uh, speak English and practice their English, all sorts of different ways they find to love and serve the people around them. As this happens, they build community with them, deepen their relationships with them. And then as part of a fuller life, when opportunities arrive, they share the gospel. And then uh, as people begin to come into faith, as you say, they don't encourage them to come to church on Sunday because many of the people just wouldn't do that. Instead, they encourage them to be an expression of church, a congregation, if you like, where they are. And you know, it's amazing, but the number of these little Christian communities, some people call them fresh expressions of church, they are multiplying at a quite uh, staggering rate. In Leicester Diocese, for example, they recently counted around 80 of these fresh expressions of church, uh, these new Christian communities, most of them formed and started in the last 10 years. Their strategic plan is to have over 300 of these new Christian communities by the year 2030, at least one of these new communities per parish in the diocese. And uh, I'm seeing that not just in Leicester, but all, all 
over the place. So something is happening in the undergrowth that's uh, transforming the way we uh, live as church and where we do mission. And uh, it's absolutely fascinating. I'm, I'm in awe, if I can put it like that, of the lay people and the uh, ordained ministers who lead these new Christian communities, often in very innovative ways. The Leicester experience, is that connected to Holy Trinity in, in Leicester? Uh, well, they have, Holy Trinity have set up uh, some uh, what they call missional communities. I'm not quite sure uh, where they are with that now, but that's certainly what they've been mm. doing. Uh, but many, most of these 80 uh, new Christian communities, uh, they're started by ordinary parishes throughout the diocese. Okay, yeah, splendid. Um, and clearly there needs to be a different way of thinking about church for this to to flourish uh, in the way that it has. So um, you know, back in so some decades ago, or maybe, well, it was, I'm not exactly sure when, but certainly uh, Graham Cray was, was urging this idea of pioneer church leaders. Um, I don't know how that, whether that, I don't hear too much about it. Maybe I'm moving the run circles, but is, is that kind of approach been pivotal within this or is that a secondary thing? Uh, it has been important. Um, the, the, the report, the working party that Graham Chad recommended that we appoint in the Anglican Church uh, a stream of uh, ordained pioneer ministers who would be trained and ordained specifically for this task of starting these new Christian communities. Uh, probably 200 or more uh, over the last 15 years have, uh, have been ordained uh, as ordained pioneer okay. ministers. Hmm. They've played a really important role hmm. in pioneering new ways of being church and showing that this is possible. But I have to say, uh, their numbers are small and the majority of these new Christian communities are actually led by lay people. Okay. Um, and so so the kind of characteristics that require that a leader would require to, to lead this, whether they're lay or, or ordained, um, and obviously there will be many traditionally ordained people who have you know, got the uh, bit between their teeth in this kind of area as well. Yeah, the... the, the the characteristics, I suppose, the, 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 it's really hard to generalise. I mean, you might say, gosh, all these people, uh, if you're going to lead these new Christian communities, they, they, they should be really relational sort of people. And many of them are, and that's absolutely right. But uh, a couple of years ago, I, I sat down with a pioneer, and he said, well, you know, I'm on the spectrum. And people like me, we don't like meeting face-to-face. So here is my church. And he got out his smartphone and went through it, and there were all the people connecting online through his smartphone, and they were his church. Wow. Now, if you took him to a sort of normal selection conference, um, maybe he'd be selected, maybe he wouldn't. But some people, um, you can't generalize. That's the thing. What, what, what these, the way these new communities emerge is that... Um, uh, small groups of Christians, they get together and in a passion of their life, they connect with their friends. And if you're on the spectrum, you know, maybe you're massively into computer games and you just love gaming and you're a bit of an introvert and you're a bit awkward. But if you're gathering with other people like you, 
who are also into these computer games and so on, and maybe some of them are a bit awkward as well, but I'm not trying to generalize for everyone, but maybe you've got a group of people like that. That person may be just the right person to be working with some one or two others to catalyze a new Christian community within that uh, uh, collection of people. So it's very, very hard to generalize, but the one thing I would cite is a spiritual quality, and that is a quality of being like Jesus of being willing just to go with what the Holy Spirit is showing. Where is the energy? Listening to the people around you, uh, taking note of what they say, seeing what enthuses them. Maybe that's not your original vision, but maybe you just have to flow with their energy, with their vision. And then as one begins to start with them, a, a new Christian community, being willing to release that into their hands, being willing to hand it over to them. Jesus handed himself over to be crucified. The New Testament uses that phrase, handed over time and time again to describe what happened with Jesus. And it's that same willingness to hand over my vision, hand over what has been created to the people involved. And, and that listening, handing over attitude, I think, is fundamental and is true for all of the most fruitful okay. yeah, yeah. of these new Christians. Fabulous. Um, now, I mean, this approach differs from the kind of church planting that's been popular, certainly in the London Diocese, whereby a group of Christians from a large church help reinvigorating a, a declining church, which maybe has a building but little life and, and little little future. So presumably there's, you see a place for both? Oh, absolutely. And this idea of the mixed economy applies mm. to uh, some of these large church plants. I mean, I love these large church plants. And um, uh, if you can start, if, you can, if, you, if you've got the gifts to lead a team of 30 or 50 people and then multiply that out to 200 or 300 people, that's brilliant. But when you've got a congregation of 300 people, you need to ask yourself, well, who are we not connecting with? Now, one of the things that people often forget is that every congregation is exclusive by its nature. Once you've decided to meet at a particular time, in a particular place, with a particular style, and with a certain agenda, you'll attract some people, but you're bound to exclude many others. You'll exclude all those who can't travel to the place, who can't come at that time on Sunday morning or whatever, for family and work reasons, who are not attracted to your style of worship, who find it off-putting, who um, may not share the agenda of worshiping Jesus. All these people are going to be excluded. And the only way to create a truly inclusive church is to start new Christian communities among people who find the existing church inaccessible. And that applies to churches that have been around for 2,000 years and applies to these new church plants that have been around for two years. It applies also to uh, uh, what people call fresh expressions or the new Christian communities I'm talking about. All of them will attract some people, but all, all of them inevitably leave other people out. And the only way to draw the people who've been left out into the whole body of Christ is to start new Christian communities among those who have been uh, excluded. And so I would be saying to, to people who do big church plants, but I also say this to people who lead these new Christian communities, when you've got a new community and it's stabilized and, and, and people are feeling at home there, start saying, well, who are the people around about us we're not connecting with? You know, if you're in an area 
an ethnically mixed area and you look at your congregation and it's wonderfully ethnically mixed and it's in a poor area, don't be tempted to say, well, we've done it. We've got a wonderfully inclusive church. Ask yourself, tell me, are the people who are leading the gangs, are people who are involved in drug dealing, are they here in the congregation? And if not, how are we going to connect with them? One um, church in, in, in um, a downtown area of one of the cities in Texas in the United States, they have a new Christian community based around training and teaching drug dealers how to be entrepreneurs and lead legitimate businesses. Well, wow. <laughs> Now, uh, exactly, wow. So this is what I mean about being inclusive. There is no congregation that will include everyone. So you have to keep asking yourself, well, who are the people who are not included and how can we build community with them that enables them as part of a fuller life, if they want, to then explore uh, Jesus Christ and see where they want to follow him and become worshippers of him where they are. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Reverend Dr. Michael Moyner. We're talking about uh, fresh expressions of church, and we'll be back just after this. And welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Reverend Dr. Michael Moyner. He's based at Wycliffe Hall in Oxford. He's a leading theologian on the theory and practice of fresh expressions of church and lead author of almost uh, 20 books, including his most uh, recent Church in Life, Innovation, Mission and Ecclesiology, published by SCM. Uh, so we're talking about fresh expressions, talking before the break of, of uh, how this fresh expressions has developed over the last decade and a half or so, as the Church of England has um, uh, encouraged a mixed economy of churches and uh, sought to, um, to train and appoint pioneer church leaders. We need to talk a little bit about the criticism, um, Michael, of the of fresh expressions. They've been, they've been criticised for being consumerist, uh, focused upon a narrow sector of people who have affinity with a particular activity or interest. It's argued that church should be welcoming to all. So, I mean, you must have heard that kind of comment. What, what's your response to it? Uh, and my response is what I was saying before the break, hmm. that actually it's precisely by being quite niche by going to specific groups of people and saying, how best can we serve and love uh, you? How can we be together in our love for each other and in love for people around about us? Uh, it's by going to those niche uh, groupings that you can actually then draw them into the whole body of Christ. You can't love everyone at the same time. You can only love people in specific ways. And so the more specific the group, the easier and more effective it is to find ways of loving them. And then as you love them, building relationships with them and then as part of a fuller life, sharing Jesus with them. So if you want to include people who find the existing church inaccessible, you need to include them as specific groups. But once they've been uh, drawn into the Christian faith, as it were, then it's absolutely essential to find ways of connecting them to the wider body of Christ. That's the New Testament pattern. We, we see in the New Testament little house churches in different parts of the cities. They were niche groups. The slave, the, the, the people who met, uh, who were slaves in one part of the city, uh, they met around where they lived and worked. They didn't walk across the city to big um, uh, palatial uh, apartments or villas. They met in their little house churches where they worked and lived. But then, from time to time, they gathered together 
with all the other house churches in Antioch and Jerusalem and so on, they gathered together in one city-wide gathering. And I think that's where all the problems that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians uh, seem to have occurred, as uh, the different groups got together, the rich and the poor, and they found it quite difficult to mix up, and it's not always very easy. But we need to find the equivalent today of these city-wide gatherings. We need to bring these these uh, new little Christian communities into the whole body of Christ and connect them up with other Christians. Right. I mean, I've I've mentioned one concern about uh, um, fresh expressions. I mean, you've been you've been speaking and lecturing on this innovative uh, approaches to church um, for for some years. What are the kind of things that people say to you? Uh, what kind of questions do they um, address to you about this? Well, uh, the one that you've raised is, is probably the main one. But what I do detect as I, as I listen to people is a weariness with what I, I used to write about this, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, let's all do these new Christian communities because of church decline. And for many people, that's not very animating. Why are we doing this just for the church? That just sounds a bit selfish. Right. Um, then we, we began to write about it in terms of mission. And we said, look, here's the mission of the church. But for many people sitting in a congregation, mission of the church, that feels pretty abstract. That's yeah. something big. I don't really relate to that. Yeah. So increasingly, I've been talking about a 21st century way of following Jesus. Find a friend in a walk of your life. Prayerfully discover a simple way to love the people around you. Build relationships with them. Share Jesus as part of a fuller life if you get the opportunity. And then as people come to faith, encourage them to form a small worshipping community where they are. Right. Anyone can do this. Yeah. In other words, I think increasingly we need to see these new Christian communities as part of discipleship. And there are all sorts of things that we can do now to help people uh, discover Jesus and walk a path of following Jesus, we can do now with the support of the internet that we could never do even 20 or 30 years ago. And so I think there are opportunities for us now to start these new Christian communities in our everyday lives, opportunities that perhaps we didn't have in the past. Yeah. But that, that requires certainly a mindset amongst church leaders to free their congregations to do that kind of thing because you, you'll appreciate the classic idea is we're going to put on a show at our church, bring your non-Christian friends to it kind of thing. It's a very different approach, yeah. isn't it? Strategy. Yeah, it is. It, and that classic approach was great in the 1950s and 60s and, yeah. uh, and so on. But it's clearly not working now. Yeah. And, um, uh, and as I say, it can't work because every congregation is exclusive by its nature. So there are all sorts of people who will never come to your congregation, however hard you try, yes. just because of when it meets and where it meets and the style and so on. Yeah. And so you have to find these new approaches. And what I want to say to people is starting these new Christian communities are not for spiritual aristocrats alone. Mm. Uh, you have to be really gifted to draw together a, 30, a, a team of 30 or 50 people and plant a new church at scale. And I think those people who've got the gifts should be hugely cherished and encouraged to do that, and it's wonderful. But for ordinary people in the pews, you can get together with a friend in your workplace and you can say, on Monday morning, we're going to give away free croissants to all the people who come into our office. We'll give them free croissants, free pastries, decent coffee to cheer them up every Monday morning. Anyone can do that. 
And as you do that, you then have conversations with people. You build a sense of community in the office. If people begin to ask you why, then you begin to create opportunities for them to explore uh, Jesus with you. And if I just do a little plug here, if anyone's listening and thinking, oh, this is quite interesting, but I haven't a clue how I do this, download the free app, FX Godsend, G-O-D-S-E-N-D, Godsend. FX Godsend. Download that free app and, and go through and it'll show you with lots of examples, frameworks, stories and so on, how you can do uh, what I'm describing. Start these small Christian communities in a passion or a walk of your life, whether it's at work or you're concerned about homeless people or in your neighborhood or you're interested in photography. Whatever it is, you can start one of these small Christian communities to add value, if you like, to enhance, to um, add an extra dimension to your uh, passion of your life, to the walk of your life, to your uh, walking with Jesus. Oh, that's fabulous. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, time's almost defeating us, Michael, but um, a chance to ask you if you if you're other uh, authors, well, I'll ask you about your books in a minute, but um, authors that have influenced you and helped you in your thinking? Well, I've been hugely helped by um, a whole school of secular uh, writers called uh, complexity thinkers or complexity theorists, uh, people like Margaret Wheatley and Patricia Shaw. And they've been really interesting in, in opening up whole new ways of thinking about organizations. For example, Patricia Shaw, uh, I can't remember off, offhand the, the title of her book, but it was published quite a long time ago in 2002. She talks about organizations as being conversations. That's what an organization is, a series of conversations. Take away the conversations and what have you got? You've got a building, some legal documents, but nothing else. And so if you want to bring change into your organization, you need to look at the quality of your conversations and who's involved and are you talking, are people able to take part in those conversations in a free way or are they closed down? Is the agenda of the meeting so fixed that they can't talk about uh, the things that really count to them? You know, so many organizations are really meaningful conversations don't take place in the committee meetings. They take place around the coffee machines outside. Well, how can you harness the energy of life-giving conversations to bring change to an organization? And I found all that way of thinking has been really influential on me uh, and, and anyone who has the energy to read my book on innovation will see how it's influenced uh, the way I thought about things. Mm -hmm. So that's one a set of uh, writers who've greatly influenced me. Someone else who's really, uh, I found really helpful, uh, the, Rowan Williams, when he was in Wales um, in the mid-90s, gave a little lecture, I think it was for CMS, and during that lecture, he opened my eyes to thinking about the church as a gift. It was a very short little section. Uh, and then I went away and started reading lots more. And what I'm doing at the moment is thinking, you know, what does it mean for the church to be a gift to the world? You know, what's the one thing that we can offer that no one else can offer? It's communal life with Jesus. How do we offer that? Well, you give away a gift that's appropriate to the other person. I mean, if my friend was teetotal, I wouldn't give them a bottle of wine. Mm. So you give away the gift appropriately. You know, Rowan Williams is very helpful in just getting me to start thinking about what it could mean if we took seriously the idea that the church is God's gift to the world. Fabulous. And if someone was to, to, to read your books and to bring, you know, which one would they start? Which, um, 
What would the order be? I, I think. I think if you're wanting to start, I'd start with my book, Being Church, Doing Life, Being Church, Doing Life. That's got about 120 different stories of these new Christian communities, and it describes how you can go about beginning to start them. If you want a, a, a more academic book and you're really interested in things like innovation uh, and you're interested in the theology of these new Christian communities, then um, uh, my book, um, the one that you quote, Church in Life, um, that would be a good starting point for people who want something more academic. Don't read the whole thing. It'll take you years to do it. Just dip into the sections that look interesting to you, and, and that could be helpful as well. So, Andy, big thanks for giving me a chance to, to plug my books. I love you forever. <laughs> um, uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> well, you're, you're greatly valued within the church community. I know that. So, Michael, thank you so much for for your insight and uh, for the enthusiasm you, you you continue to generate for these these themes. So thank you. Andy, thank you too. You've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Uh, I was joined this week by uh, Michael Moyner. That's uh, Moyner, M-O-Y-N-A-G-H. And uh, those books again, uh, Church in Life is his most recent book, and then Being Church, uh, Doing Life. Uh, do log on to Premier's website and you can log on and find archived recordings of The Leadership File, including this one in due course. Look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 or via podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 